Ethan, do you recall what I said to you when last we met? Um, I think it was back in the 90s and you said the trial never ends and you meant the OJ trial. Well, I actually said I'm so fucking happy that Star Trek Picard is back, but I didn't know you during the OJ trial. <laughs> yes, here we are back at the Picard. Do you know it's been two years since the last season aired? Did it start or ended? Uh, it started in January of 2020, and I think it ended around this time. It ended. The pandemic came right in the right in between, right in the middle of it all. So I think around this time, two years ago, season one concluded. I actually because we were just talking about this before we began recording. Um, I think it premiered the same week as that season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Because I seem to recall they were airing like at the exact same time. I think they started and ended at the exact same time. I see. And the reason yeah. that we're mentioning Curb Your Enthusiasm is because we were just talking about how Madeline Wise plays Picard's, I guess, mom in the yeah. flashbacks. And one of her other main credits is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Two legendary bald men. It's yeah. true. Now, when is Patrick Stewart going to be on Curb Your Enthusiasm? That's the question. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny I think if he was. Given his, uh, you know, comedy chops that he has, doing American Dad and many other things, it's funny. I think he'd be fantastic. I was at a Trek convention back in 2013, and I met for the first time Brent Spiner. And Brent Spiner at the time was doing a web series called fresh hell which was a very it was a very curb your enthusiasm like show but he and he has a sense of humor like that and when i met him you know we didn't talk about star trek i don't do that with any of the star trek actors when i meet them i don't mention i don't talk about any of that and i told him how much i loved fresh hell and he appreciated it and i said i said i think you'd be great on curb your enthusiasm and he's <laughs> like and he agreed with me because that's just how he is and then he told me like that he actually knows larry sort of he could have been lying really? for all I knew, but um, yeah, I can't imagine Brent Spiner and Larry David knowing each other for some reason. It just doesn't seem to. It doesn't seem to fit. I don't know. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah. The question I have is, when are we going to get Larry David on Star Trek? <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, if um, if we can get um, what's her name who plays Jet Reno? Yeah. Um, then we can definitely get Larry. Larry would go up to the captain and be like, can't you get some more, com can't you get some better chairs on this bridge? This is I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm sitting here all day. It's, I'm not comfortable at all. Can I put my feet up on the console? Is that okay? Okay, now you're going to get something from me. <laughs> yeah. But I love that. we just have to settle for Patrick Stewart. Um, yeah. Allison Pill, Jerry Ryan, Michelle Hurd, Evan Evagoria, Orla Brady, Isa Briones, Isa. Santiago Cabrera, and Brent Spiner. In the season two premiere Goldberg episode. Goldberg and Donda Lancey. In the season two premiere episode called Star Space Gazer. Now, somebody... Star Space Gazer? It's, it's Not hyphen? Not... No, it's just... Okay. Somebody on the Trek BBS, because Picard was so old, they were calling it Star Geezer, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but it, you know, you mentioned that I do have in my notes how yeah. old it was. Looked. It was funny. That was funny. Yeah, I know. Was, he's yeah. finally showing his age. He, he was one of those people that didn't show their age for years, but he he's showing. Yeah, he looked like he was like. I think when Next Generation began, he was in his 40s, and he just looked like he was that for the entirety of his run. Like, even in First Contact. In First Contact, like, he's in a tank. Like, he's fucking ripped in First Contact. Yeah. Yeah. And how old was he then? Oh, God. He had to have been in his 50s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of age, here's something remarkable. They actually took place Laris is 60. Really? Yeah. Oh. I People, I, I just think that people are looking younger these days because we're just there's i don't Particularly think we're, people live in los angeles and work in entertainment yeah. right although who knows how much of that is cgi anyway as evidenced by mr delancey toward the end of the episode but i digress yes. when this episode ended i remember i texted you and i said 
Now, this is the initial watch. Sometimes opinions change. But I said to you, you know, I think... I don't think you had finished watching it yet, or I hadn't started yet. And I said, you know, I think this is, like, one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever. Like, this is, like, in my top episodes of, of the franchise. And that opinion... I did not waver on that opinion when I watched it a second, a third, and even a fourth time. I, I rarely watch... Just in general, of anything, I don't normally watch it again right after it ends right and i did fascinating i liked it i do not think it was one of the best episodes i don't even think it was top 10 yeah so we but, disagree on something, but didn't it feel but as you as you were watching it though and i think we were talking about this a little bit didn't it feel like you were like watching this is going to sound weird but i i think you'll know what i mean when i say it you felt like you were watching genuine Star Trek again. Yes. I, yes, it, I have that. That's one of my sort of big it topics. It felt like an episode, yeah. Familiarity. Exactly. But without yes. seeming like a retread. Right. Which is not easy right. to do. And there were little things that it was doing that were so obvious and so great to see. So before we get into that, Give us all the, as you, as I say, give us all the meta data, <laughs> okay, metadata yes. about the episode. <clears throat> we got The Stargazer, as you mentioned. It yep. is directed by Doug Arniokowski, who has directed a couple of um, disco episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Limitless and Sleepy Hollow. Also the director of two, not one, but two Puppet Master films. And directed the short track, The Brightest star oh interesting that's the uh i believe that's the cg one uh, so we got yeah. the kiva goldsman of course yep and in a switch from last season showrunner terry Metalis, no oh. longer michael chabon i believe he's not involved at all anymore yeah i think michael chabon i think you asked me before we began recording you asked me if he was even still the showrunner and i had said i don't even think he's involved with the series anymore I know he's a co-creator of the series, but um, I think I'd have to look. But I'm I'm thinking about this now. I feel like when season one was airing, there had been some announcement that he was like going to be working on another show or something like that after the first mm. season. So, yeah. Um, but here's but the whatever. Interesting thing about Godspeed, Mr. Chabon. Yep. Oh yeah, no, he <clears throat> he came, he saw, he had gave us a great show. Yep. Um, here's a great. Um, answer, I mean, information. Metalis began his career writing for TV series Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise. Do you he know also which... wrote for Terra Nova on Fox, Nikita on the CW, and he wrote a Star Trek The Next Generation comic um, called Hive, which must be about the Borg. Yes, I know exactly which one that is. Do you, are you I'm assuming you're on his IMDb page. No, I'm on Wikipedia. Okay. Do you so, so you don't know what do you know what Voyager episodes or Enterprise episodes he specifically Not wrote? All. Okay. No, all. All right. um, I'd be curious to know which ones he did because the name doesn't sound familiar to me. Right. But, um, we can certainly look into it. Yeah. Then he did the show Twelve Monkeys. Yep. Um, some crappy CBS show. Not a trashy ABC show. No. Yeah. He did something that was a vampire, which is... I'll just ignore that. Um. <laughs> oh, he wrote the adaptation of Abraham Lincoln, um, Vampire Hunter. A guilty pleasure of mine. I will not... I will not. Lie. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Was it. Silly, I read the book. I really enjoyed it as, I a, the book. as an American, you know, American history major. Yeah. American legal history. So... But well, hold on, hold on. You want your answer here? I think it's important. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. <clears throat> now, I will say, I'm sure people, gr- he's probably grown as a writer since then, but I want to know. Uh, okay. That was a little misleading. Oh, was it? Was he, what was he, a story editor? Assistant to producers for five episodes of Voyager, and then a. S- Which ones? <laughs> okay, Endgame. Ugh. Homestead, Author, Author, Workforce, Part 2, Prophecy. So the, so the last Got batch, it. so the kind of the last batch of 
So the last season, really. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote the story for Enterprise Stratagem and Impulse. Season three episodes. The Zindi. The Zindi season. Okay. Okay. Nice. I like that. He's got some uh, pedigree. You know, he's been around. Around around the block. Yeah. Not not exactly um, memorable Mm. episodes of the shows, but not. You know, they were assigned to him, so he wasn't the writer. So he was a production assistant, associate. He was a production associate on um, yeah. In the Mirror Darkly, one good and one. two, very good ones. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, <clears throat> look when you look at the re- the resume of, you know, our showrunners, and you got um, uh, Vampire Diaries yeah. or Star Trek Enterprise. I'll take yeah. Star Trek Enterprise experience any day. Yeah. So. This episode of Picard, um, I had said to you when, and we'll go into more detail about this a little bit later, but I'll flesh out my thoughts more about this later. But I, I had said to you, you know, in watching the episode, it's just so like, they make it so easy. What I mean by that is that it's just the people behind the show just make it seem like they they know what they're doing with Trek. They just do it so effortlessly. There's such a kind of like almost modest feeling about it that it's not difficult. They know what they're doing. They don't feel like every single line that they write is some knocking it out of the park moment as we say about the other show, right? They're just doing it doing it well and that's it yeah some moments are just it just works yeah character moments are just characters being themselves and you get an insight into who they are by watching them do things that's what character that's what the best character moments are they don't stop and tell you what they are they it's it's a classic show don't tell so you watch characters do things and this was so chock full of moments of that every character really had their kind of moment well and it shows that not every character moments don't have to be don't have to be defined by the character having in some sort of existential crisis right that's it's just now you're now you're doing it what <laughs> no i'm what just I saying like just gonna try to not do no i'm just saying that so to follow up on that, so, I mean, the the episode begins. Now, we haven't seen the characters for two years. And the episode really just begins. They spend the first, what, fourth of the episode just filling you in on what everybody's been doing since the season ended, last season ended? Yes. Well, here's the brilliant thing, and, I think. Yeah. Is they were filling us in, but also they were establishing why the band is back together yes in a way that made sense it didn't seem silly right so we we eventually talked last season about how we sort of wondered will this be you know the crew just going around on the la serena right Um, and it seemed like that would have been a little silly so they didn't so one of the things that's great is that each character has grown and changed right from the events of the first season right like Picard's back on his vineyard, but he's happy. Mm-hmm. Rafi, Elnor, and Rios, and uh, Girardi are in Starfleet now. Right, but great. I think even more to dig down a little more granularly, yeah. uh, Rafi is teaching at Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. Right? So she yep. went from uh, living in the desert, drug addict. Yep. To now realizing that she has a lot to offer yep. in training young cadets, so that's great. Uh, Rios is a captain of the brand Asia. new, the brand new USS Stargazer. Yes, a a Stargazer. Yep. Um, which is also it should have right, been the Stargazer growth. A, but anyway, growth. Yes, because he had left because of his experience with his corrupt or his captain. And because of his experiences with Picard, renewed his faith in Starfleet, and now he's right. back. Um, Elnor's a cadet now. Elnor's a cadet. Yep. 
Certainly because of Picard's influence, I'm sure. Yep. Pill, I mean, um, the lady who's played by Allison Pill. Mm -hmm. uh, She is a scientist that deals with... uh, Oh, so Julia confused me. Um. Yeah, I don't know. She's a she's like a she's, scientist she's, for Starfleet yeah. in some way, and she seemed to be Soji's handler, right? So, and Soji, Soji is a diplomat for synth. And and we spreading the word. And we and we and we sort of get the update on this that we hope that we would. So remember, at the end of last season, we hoped that while there wasn't really anything that needed to be resolved leading into the season, we had hoped that we got some sort of update on the aftermath of the events of last season, which we sort of did because she mentioned the synth ban was lifted. So yes. now she's got a place. And by the way, those people that she was talking to, those mm-hmm. are Deltons, Lieutenant Ilea from the Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, those nice. were those people. Holy yeah. Crap, I that. Yep. Yep. Um, which is a really, yeah. really good touch. Yes, and it's great. Just you know, it's just a logical thing. The only one who arguably banned, people were afraid of synths. Now yep. suddenly they're welcome back. Not everyone's going to welcome them with open arms. So you need to have someone go on a goodwill tour. Right. The only one who didn't really go anywhere, but it was fine, was Seven of Nine. She got the La Serena, but she's still she's back with the Fenris Rangers. Right. Which makes sense. But it's she fine. Still hasn't like I don't. Much out. Right, because Seven was just sort of brought into this by circumstance, right? She wasn't with them initially. And she had been with the Rangers for a long time. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't think that, I'm not like, well, why wasn't Seven? And no, I mean, that's where she was. She's trying to yeah. maintain order, and that's that's fine. And when there's one character. She's got a new ship. When there's one character who doesn't grow or change, that's a choice. When none of them do, that's a problem. Right. <clears throat> right. Uh, and, so you know, maybe she'll think twice about murdering people now after her experience. Yeah. Um and you know, Picard well, obviously and I would say Picard hasn't really. I mean, well, actually no, that's not true. Picard has changed. I mean, he's back at the uh at his um vineyard, but he's also he's also back in Starfleet too. Like he's working with at the academy cuz he's giving the commencement speech at the beginning of the episode and at Elnor's sort of yeah. Not swearing in, but Elnor's like, you know, his initial sort of um, yeah, his orientation or orientation, something. right? That was the first Romulan and Starfleet, which I thought was kind of cool too. Yeah. So and and when we <clears throat> when we met him last season at his vineyard, he was sort of bummed about it. Right. He wasn't really right. loving being at the vineyard. I wonder where his dog is. Well, number one is on the vineyard. We did see him. Oh, okay. Yeah. I that. Yeah. I, but you know, it's interesting. I mean, I didn't. I'm not dissatisfied with the, by the direction they took them. I mean, even when season one ended, I never felt like... I just kind of thought they'd be back, as you said. We, I just thought they'd still be sort of in the same position and there'd be something else that brings them together to do... You know, I kind of thought, based on the trailers that we saw, that it was literally going to be them still in space and it would be Picard arriving on Earth to find that something is wrong. Mm. That's what I thought it was going to be. I thought maybe back. they were going to do a, um, yeah. you know, a retread and the Admiral would come up to see the new ship and yeah. then something would happen and they'd be the closest ship and they'd take yeah. off just like in a Star let, Trek. What? Let me ask Five? you this. Yeah. What was, was there any character that character change that surprised you the most? Let's see. For me, if I may, I mean, please Rios. That was the biggest surprise to me. That not only was he back in Starfleet, but he was the captain of a ship. That was the most shocking one to me. That was the one I was surprised by the most. I think I was both surprised by it, but also enjoyed it the most. Because my notes here, I say, Rios is a, all caps, captain with two exclamation points. Right. Because he's got it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like even I love the way he sits in his chair. He has this kind of lean that he does. Yep. And it's you know it's a he has a presence on the bridge. Right. He's very very cool. He's got a cigar, which obviously what I, I don't know. What, what I like about smoking. it, though. maybe it's holographic. It's a little bit silly, but and it's not he, even lit. He's got a defined captain personality, which is great. But what I love about it is that even though he's wearing a Starfleet uniform, 
he doesn't have like that clean Starfleet look to him, right? He's still got the very much like the you know the unkempt beard and like the kind of messy hair. So he's not like a, you know. He he just looks it just looks funny to me. Like he's not he's not like a he's not like a squeaky clean image of a Starfleet captain, right? He's yeah, still very not much a Riker looks, beard. This is right. very much a- and. And again, you know, I think it, as you say, it's it's also with the way that he sits, right? Like, he's not, like, sitting up straight like a Starfleet captain does. Like, he's leaning forward. He's got the cigar. Like, he's, yeah. you or know, he he's kind of, like, leaning to the side swagger thing. Right, right. Exactly. So, um, there is a little bit, I think, of a, of a Riker feel about him. Like, just, I think, in the way, because I think of, like, when Riker used to sit in chairs, he would, like, step over chairs and he would <laughs> do lean. Like, yeah. just there's something about, there's a Will Riker vibe Riker that I'm Riker. getting there. Yeah. Yeah, but that so he's like he's more he's a he's a better Riker than Riker was. Well, and yeah, I'm, well, no, but I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> I mean, but well, as far as being the like the uh, edgy captain, or yeah. the edgy officer. But that that was the most that to me that was the most surprising character de- um, yeah. character develop character. He and Mariner probably know each other. Second, he and Mariner probably know each other. Oh God, I would hope so. I would really hope so. I, and I will say this really quick before we before we continue. Um, as I always mention, I'm always perusing the Trek BBS to see what people are saying. And there's already people are already calling for like, give me a Captain Rios on the Stargazer series. Yeah, totally. So I'm like, I, I'm on board for that because, you know, I just think that'd be great. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's another <clears> thing, right? What do you think it is that because him on the bridge felt like something that i haven't seen in trek in a long time it felt that felt like oh this is like we're back on yeah brick real yeah. now yeah because what was it was it the way it was shot was it the uniforms no, was it just i think it was all of that but i think more of it was we're on board a federation starship in now the early 25th century but it looks like it has the next generation era feel to it you know just plus 30 years it's an it's a it's an advancement of the next generation time and we're spending a lot of time there we're you know we're spending time there we're seeing one of the officers find something weird out in space they have to look at it they got to do scans and all that stuff so it just goes to show you that that way of doing star trek still works right it's still working for me and there's i got a very kind of like comfortable homey feeling when i was watching those scenes of them taking place on the bridge of the stargazer and i'm as as i'm watching this i'm just saying to myself just give me a show that takes place on on a starship like this at this time and we like it's sort of like that's all we need really right but i think that it also know the show the writers everybody involved the showrunner they also know how to get it to feel like it's yes. That. It's the way so it's shot. Bridge. It's the sound effects of the bridge. It's seeing yep. the L cars operating system that everyone's using on their computers. It's just seeing all of that. Seeing the yep. the uniforms. And it's it's everything. Yeah. What is beautiful is um oh I actually had a note about the ship. I thought the ship looked great. Oh my god. This I never new... talked about ships, but it had that cool like Voyager like oval front. So, yeah, and as everybody knows, that Picard commanded the Stargazer. Um, that was his first command. And while this is not the same Stargazer, it still has the same design to it. It still looks, you know, the four nacelles, two on top, two on the bottom, right? It still has the same lines as the original Stargazer. It's just, um, you know, up. it's just now an early 25th century design it's a whole new class of starship but and you know me i love i love star trek starships i think they have such a great they're so they're such they're so like they're always beautiful in their design and this this new stargazer has very quickly become like one of my favorite new ships it's great yeah 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 so what i think that they do great is and this is the type of thing that so I compare it to Star Wars only because the people that run Star Wars, you know, for all their faults, they know 
what it is that right. like hits people in the DNA of what Star Wars is. And we got some of it here. So when yeah. we first saw the bridge of the Stargazer, mm-hmm. do you remember the music we heard? I do. We were get- that's the other thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. We were getting the Star Trek theme playing yes. very silent, very sort of wasn't wasn't interfering, but it was just playing underneath the dialogue, which was great. Yes, and but yeah. listen to when you listen to some of the time. Two times I noted that we heard it when you first see the bridge. We heard it, mm-hmm. and this one is great when Girardi said one to beam up, and then she heard the noise of the beam up. We heard yep. it then. Yep. Two, obviously, seeing a bridge for the first time, that's classic Trek. One to beam up. What a simple thing that is such a part of Star Trek. And then you couple it with the music, and it's like, oh, we're in Star Trek. This is great. Well, and you know what You know what the show is also doing that I've noticed that I was sort of complaining that I don't think Discovery does enough, is, or even the Abrams films to some extent. There's not very many kind of like beauty shots of the ship, of ship flybys. As like an establishing shot and then going inside. They don't do that enough. The ship... Discovery doesn't feel... The ship itself and the Kelvin Enterprise didn't feel... Do not feel like characters. Mm. We got we some... Discovery would have spinning around. We got some really great ship shots, establishing shots of the, of the Stargazer. Okay, and then yeah. just that pan inside and then, as you say, you have the Star Trek theme playing... Mm-hmm. The way the bridge is shot, the language that they're speaking, right? Yes, like, and it's the back and forth, the quick, you know, right. shields up. But even Whatever. and see, and I also picked up on this later in the episode when Picard is summoned to the Stargazer and he's on the bridge, and he's saying things like, "Open a channel," like, like yeah. giving the commands, and I, and like, I like forgot all of that because he's like. Mm-hmm. He's now, like, Patrick Stewart is now back as Captain Jean-Luc Picard was as the Next Generation. He's saying the things that Picard said on the Next Generation to his crew. Right. You know, and I'm just like, wow. Like, it's so weird. You just reminded me, the the proper formality. When he's on the bridge. Right. He's announced, Admiral on the bridge. And everyone stands at attention until he says to them, oh, yeah, Eddie's Eddie. Yes. Yeah. Because... It's that's how Starfleet's supposed to work, right? See, and that's. I'm sorry, but it was when <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry, but it's when. Uh, I don't remember the episode. It was this season of Discovery. It's the one that I told you to watch TNG, where silence has lease. Oh yeah, it was that episode. You watched it, and then you said to me, like. It was you had pointed out the language you said permission like Jordy said permission to leave the bridge yeah like things yes. like this and you said they're not they don't do and like Picard does all of it it's, yeah right and like obviously that's not gonna make a show good or bad no but it's that extra layer of de- those it's those extra layers of detail that yes just it's sell familiarity it. familiarity yes, yes. You, you want it to do you know it's the same organ like so, for instance, I mean, think of the U.S. or any military in right. anywhere in the world. If you went to a military and watched them doing, like, basic training, I got to assume it would sound a lot like it did for World War II. Right. Because it's just these institutions continue certain um, formalities. And it's, you know, I don't know. And you know what whatever. else? When when Picard came aboard the Stargazer and he meets Seven of Nine and they're walking to the hallway and all the everyone sort of stands at attention as he walks by. They didn't normally do that a lot in Trek. Um, but I, I did notice that in the first episode episode of The Next Generation, when Picard's giving his initial log entry, walk, touring the Enterprise, just walking around, the crew would sort of stop. They didn't stop at attention because he was captain. But they would stop and just sort of like nod at him and keep going. They, they didn't do that throughout the series, but I, yeah. I, I always noticed they did it in that episode. So that's what it made and me think of back. Yeah, Rio seems to have a pretty young crew. He does, which makes sense that if an admiral is on board. But now here's another interesting thing I just realized. So mm-hmm. when you establish the level of formality, right? Then when you have a character like Girardi who breaks it, it means something for the character, right? Because, okay, we know that she's kind of plays by her own rules. She's not following all the formality. Right. But if everybody's not following the formality, then it has no meaning. It's just right. the way it is. So right. you, you right. 
you know, you have to have some rules before you can break the rules. Right. But they just, they, they went to, well, they didn't go to great lengths. They just, they knew, they knew how to play in the Star Trek world. It wasn't a problem, right? They, they clearly knew everything that they needed to know to make it work. But I, you know, but I also kind of feel like what the way this comes off is they wrote a script and then you had that one person going through saying, all right, uh, you're, you got to add the Star Trek language in here, here, here and over there. You got to add the, uh, you know, you got to add in the scene description. Everybody stands at attention. You got to add like, I feel like they, you had that, you had the, those, that person or people's people who were like, who knew the Star Trek language, the world and said, all right, now we got to add all this stuff. Right, like they knew exactly where it belonged, and it it truly feels like we're watching a show that takes place in the world of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. And when you see, um, when you see the fleet, I mean, I know you'll oh, talk more about the ships, yeah. but just the fact that there is a fleet, right, and. You know, clearly Stargazer is the lead of this particular mission. So Stargazer is kind of taking charge. But, you know, they're communicating with the fleet because right. that's what a fleet does. Um, and just, you know, you just get a sense that there's a wider star fleet well, out there. You know, one of the complaints, and I was a little disappointed by it too, but I wasn't not, not as angry as everybody else was, that in the finale of Picard last season, when Riker showed up in the USS Zhenghei, every Starfleet vessel was exactly the same. I think there were like some slight modifications in the design, but it wasn't, there was no familiar design, right? Right. No, I and didn't I was even do, know. You didn't care. But I was doing some research on this. And I remember like even defending that scene in the end saying like, you know, look, guys, like don't make it seem like they were doing it to piss you off. Like I said, when you get down to it, like, there could have been a time constraint. The faster way to do it was just be cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste. Okay, episode's out. Yeah. Right? Fine. But I was doing some research. They they actually did see the fans were not happy about that. But they also don't have the, a, num, a big enough team to design all those ships to get all those you know ships in. So what I found out they did was they actually went to the people who make, who do Star Trek Online Oh, nice. They said, give us your... And they worked with it. They said, you know, the ships are already made. Yeah. And they're using the traditional design. But there are some new designs. So they've actually... So in addition to some of the legacy designs, they actually canonized a lot of the designs that we've seen in Star Trek Online. What a brilliant solution. But nevertheless, like, you see the Akira class, which was seen in First Contact. You see the Sovereign class, which is the Enterprise D... Or E, excuse me. You see the Excelsior class. You know, you see familiar designs that we've seen, that we've seen since first, since you know the earliest Star Trek movies. So it felt like we were in. Again, to, to add to your point, like you know, with the interior of the Star Wars, it felt like we were back in that, in that world. It just felt like we were there, and we hadn't been there in quite some time. So I was very, very, very happy about that. Totally agree. Yeah. Very well done. Um, so but, I do want to talk a little bit about the structure of the episode. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't we go into just a little bit of what the story was. So yeah. we were so saying... First, let me just talk big picture structure. Sure. So it follows a tried and true story structure, which is you start at the end, the most exciting part, and then you jump back so we see how we get there. Right. It's a great way to start and grab people's interest right away. Mm-hmm. If you just started with Picard lounging around and talking about his romance life with Laris, it may not have been the, yeah, yeah. the best opening. So yeah. I thought that was very, very well done. So it dropped us right into the action, and we saw that something crazy was going on. We were on a bridge. People were being shot at. People were shooting. Um, and then we get the... 48 hours later but even just that opening let me know that was the totally. first sign that we yeah. are in the tng right post tng world but yeah. it's gonna feel very familiar because that was a very familiar thing you know people ducking behind the consoles and yep shooting their phasers great they were at some adversary that we weren't really sure of but i could tell even though we didn't see it i'm like it's gotta be it's definitely something it's borg i can i can just tell what it is yeah right 
a real Doc Ock vibe about it later on, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the episode begins, as, as we were saying, you know, we're getting updates on where all the characters are, and as I mentioned, you know, Picard is back at his vineyard, but there's also, but now what they're doing is they're playing to a potential romance between Picard and Laris. Well, I gotta say, I, you know, Laris is fantastic. I, I, I loved her last season. I don't think we saw enough of her last season. Um, you know, she's great. And I think they've got some really great, they do some really great scenes together, particularly in the opening of this episode. Um, because, you know, the theme of the episode, at least with Picard anyway, is like, you know, he wants to, it's sort of like this loneliness that he has. Like, why do you choose to be by yourself? Right? Like, why don't you ever let anybody in? Why don't you, you know? And, you know, we got hints of romance with Picard during the Next Generation days and some of the films, particularly with Crusher and even Vosh. But we never really saw Picard have a romance. And I think this is, yet again, one of those times where we get really close to seeing that. And, um... Didn't he have different flings in episodes, though? I mean, he, again, Beverly, Vosh, like, yeah, once in a while, but not not that much. Yeah, and I and, do like even that Lara says, you only went for people that were unavailable or you knew, like, it couldn't right. last. Right. Yeah. So he's kind of, so this is becoming a recurring theme with him throughout the episode, to the point where he actually goes to an old friend for some advice, which is, of course, Guinan who we have not seen since Star Trek Nemesis. Um, how did you feel about seeing Guinan again? Um, I, didn't, I didn't love the scene, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it just felt more like Patrick Stewart and Whoopi Goldberg yeah. happy to see each other again. Um, and it left me a little bit confused because... Uh, I remember some things about Guinan, but is Guinan telepathic or something? Yeah, it's not really... It, it, we don't really... They never really get into that. She's got some sort of, like, empathic ability, but we don't really know the yeah. full range of what... If she just knew that from looking at his facial expressions, that would be weird. Yeah, we... we it, it's weird, because she's an Elorian, and we don't really know much about her people, and it, it's sort of like... Because so little is known about them, it's sort of like they sort of would use her in episodes as a way to help advance a plot along or reveal something about somebody in a moment. And then now it's suddenly like, well, we don't know anything about her, so let's her be, let's have her be the one that moves it along. Like maybe her people are somewhat clairvoyant or something. And so as a result of that, you're kind of like establishing who the what her people are when really we really just don't even know. Like, right. yeah, so... Yeah, so that was a little bit weird, but I really clear. did like how they made LA look spacey just by adding. It was right. classic Trek. You just yeah. add a few weird looking things here and there. Yeah, I mean, hang some like shiny, I, spiral things. Even though her scene in this episode was only really about Picard's romance and who he is and why he's so lonely, given that this is going to be an episode or uh, a season about time and alternate time or time travel or whatnot. She, I have to believe she's going to factor into it more heavily because you right. know, we saw her in Time's Arrow. She was the only one who noticed in yesterday's Enterprise that something was wrong, as Data said, and as I said this before, Data said he speculated that perhaps her species has a perception that goes beyond linear time. So I have a feeling she's going to be... I'm sure we'll see her again. I can't imagine they just brought Whoopi in for that one scene and that was it. I think she's going to factor right. in heavily to all of this. If yeah. he's in another timeline, right. I'm sure he would want to seek her out because she would... Right. Well. So, so yeah, makes sense. You want to establish that? I now? think maybe just in the episode itself it felt odd, but I think that's just setting her up to introduce her for the season. I'm sure I have no doubt she'll be back. So um, I, mean, I, I was just was, happy to see her again. It was interesting that the first of two times that we have actors aging when their characters shouldn't explained away. Right. Which, you know, obviously you got to do that, and that's great. Throw in one line and move on. Right, exactly. Um, and in the midst of all this, the Stargazer encounters something, a sub, like a, a weird thing out in space. You know, so we're back in the Star Trek thing where you encounter something weird out in space. And here's the deal. You, you, you encounter an anomaly in space. What do you do? You 
good whether it's wise or not, you fly your ship right up in front of it and you just sit there. Exactly. That's what you do in Star Trek. Everybody knows that. Exactly. And there's a weird transmission coming out of it. And by the way, the anomaly is like a very lime green. I'm like, it's a Borg. I know it's the Borg. It's their yes. color. I know it's the Borg. It's a Borg. They green. don't normally approach like this, but maybe they're coming in from, from another reality. I don't know. But they're saying, help us, Picard. Mm -hmm. Help us, Picard. So in typical Star Trek fashion, next generation fashion, an admiral comes to Picard, tells him what's going on, and brings him to the Stargazer. So Except like, instead of being on a little screen, they actually came yes, to Yes, they his, were actually. Now, um, I, will, I will say, this actress, I forget her name, appeared on Star Trek before as an admiral. Oh. and But she didn't play the same one. And I thought, oh, it would have been so great if she ended up playing the same one. But, um, yeah, we didn't. That's not what we got. But that's okay. So she summons him. Says, we need you on the Stargazer. And they go, and they go to the Stargazer. And he goes to the Stargazer. And then, of course, that's when um, all hell kind of breaks loose. Indeed. So you find out, we find out that it is actually, you know, the Borg do reveal themselves. Um, mm -hmm. And the fleet does arrive. Mm -hmm. But they want to join the Federation is the twist. It's a, it's weird, right. And, um, and of course, and I'm you know. I'm not convinced that they didn't still want to join the Federation. Like, I don't think that was a trick. No. I think they actually did want to join the Federation. Well, I think... just, their social skills are not great. And I think also, I mean, this is, um, I feel like they were coming in from an alternate reality. I think that, I think we're beginning to see whatever, like, the theme for the, whatever, like, the plot of the season is going to be. Yes. I think this is At the point coming in. Yeah. The future or the past. Right. Because. It's not an reality altogether. When this Borg drone, which I think is the queen, uh, comes aboard. I mean, it doesn't look like a Borg. Right. Right. Um. And as I said, upgrade. it's got a Doc Ock vibe about it, right? Right. I really liked just the look was really interesting. And the it sort of makes sense that, mm, they, that the Borg maybe wouldn't be as right. uh, biologic, what's the word, you know, as flesh I know what you mean, as yeah. they need to be. It was a lot more mechanical, well, electronic. Because it's like, who knows what else they would have assimilated over the years, right? But yes. it was the first time in a long time that the Borg, to me, actually felt scary again. Yeah, you Voyager, know, not having a face, I mean, yeah. that's a great way to be scary, right? Darth Vader. Yeah, that's why because... Darth Vader was scary because he couldn't see his face. Voyager kind of, as it's been said in the years since, kind of defanged the Borg because they just kept using them over and over again, you know, after 709 came aboard. And what I... The interesting thing now, Seven of Nines present for all of this, by the way, we should mention. Uh -huh. And she's just as apprehensive, if not more apprehensive, here than she was whenever Voyager would encounter the, whenever Voyager would encounter the Borg. Yeah, which she was I the most love. When they had the um, conference room scene, which was great, literally in the conference room. Um, yes. She so everyone was sort of saying, let's proceed cautiously, but let's proceed. She was the only one really arguing hard to just try to kill them or just get out of there. Well, and it's odd too, right? Because you would think, remember, like, how, how, like, remember when Picard had like that breakdown when he was on the Borg Cube last season? Yeah. There was not an ounce of, um, like hesitation from him in this episode. He didn't seem that worried. That's uh, true. I wonder if somehow his he was trauma, not apprehensive at all. I wonder if somehow like the the remnants of his trauma somehow in becoming synth are no longer there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just uh, that's just something I noticed, and and you know part of what really stuck out, stuck out for me was um, you know Jerry Ryan's performance as Seven of Nine. Now, obviously. She's not the Seven of Nine that we know in Voyager. She's she's changed. But very occasionally, you know, she speaks in a more human way, right? But very occasionally there are moments. I forget the I, I forgive me, I forget the line in this episode, but very occasionally you see the the older Seven of Nine performance come through. The sort of the sort of like static 
I almost want to say stoic, but like just the very kind of like almost stuffy, the, the, the mm. way she played Seven of Nine on Voyager. Right, very stiff, very like, you can't say contraction. The, Everything, you. I cannot do that. The sort of like stiffness that she had with the character back then, you that occasionally that you see that performance come through. Yeah. And I really I like, like Jerry Ryan is so good at bringing, not only doing that, but doing it at the right in those right moments like knowing when to actually she doesn't just do it randomly there's a reason mm. she's doing there's a she's making a decision to do it in this moment mm, i didn't catch that i'm gonna have to watch for that next time I yeah it. yeah so um and she even like goes into like when picard comes aboard the stargazer she was commenting on how she thinks the crew is a little bit apprehensive with her being there because she used to be a borg and that's something that she mentioned on Voyager several times. Like, she thinks that the crew was apprehensive around her because she was a former Borg drone, right? Which, as you would be. So, um, there's, a, there's, there's a ridiculous amount of character consistency between Seven on Voyager and Seven in Picard. I mean, fantastic job there. Nice, yes. Um... Thank so you for listening you to my also, TED Talk. It was great. Yeah. Do you also believe that... Well, essentially, like, I guess you can't really know, but what what do you think the board were up to? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think there's much... I don't really have anything to go on. Because... We got to assume that they would have felt very threatened to want to join the Federation. Yeah, what could possibly happen that they would want to join the Federation. I still think they're coming in from an alternate universe, but I just don't know why. Um, because it seems to be that the universe we're going to find ourselves in this season is going to be very totalitarian. And is the, you know, if you think of like, if there's a mirror, if there were a mirror universe per se, right? Could we infer that the Terran Empire conquered the Borg. Even though there is no Terran Empire in this, you know, in the next generation Deep Space Nine time frame. But like or is it maybe, you know, is there just an alternate reality where Earth where a where an Earth conquered the Borg or something? I don't know. Mm, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that is interesting. And and it seems like maybe it's gonna take a while before we find out because right. the, one of the most fascinating parts of this is that they initiate the auto-destruct to prevent the Borg from taking over the entire fleet and they su are successful. Right. They blow up the ship and the whole fleet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's are the Borg tricking us and they're not known for tricking, <laughs> you know, anybody. Right. And they don't but... trust that once they assimilate the fleet that they're just going to you know have a yeah negotiation. the borg were assimilating the stargazer and then they yeah so it got a little crazy toward the end there before the self-destruct so yeah i mean i i don't i don't know dude like i really don't even know and like i'm i can't really speculate i'm just right i'm on board for the ride for this like yeah what is going yeah, me on too. i'm very yeah. excited and what we know of q is q would sort of put people together but he wouldn't really make them do anything yeah, you know, so I don't think it's making the Borg do anything. Well, it's making me wonder, like, uh, you know, when... So, after that happens, so let me just, let's just kind of recount, recap the events there. So, after mm -hmm. the Stargazer self-destructs, Picard's back home. Yes. On his vineyard. Yes. And he's in the room, the sort of greenhouse room. Right. And things don't the look right. Queen tells him to look up. Queen tells him to look up. And Laris isn't there, but like that synth or whatever it is is there. Yes. Yeah. And clearly we're in another timeline. Right. And then we and hear a very familiar. There's a bunch of swords and, and battle helmets all around Picard's house, yep. which is cool yep. to show that he's maybe sort of, um, you know, more Terran like or something. Yep. And then there's that painting of him looking very stern and grim. Yep. And then we hear a very familiar voice. Yes. Yeah. I really, really liked Picard's reaction. 
He says, Mon Capitan. And, and Picard just says, no, 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 no. He says, no, about seven times. Right. Because it's like, of all the times, now is not the time. Right? And what did you think of the decision? So he looks over, and so there is, of course, Q. Um, did you like the decision to DH him and then... Oh, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Because it's like, again, it just, you take care of it real quick, get it out of the way. Yeah. So And then you, then you can just move on with the story. We see him as he appeared on Next Generation. So he's, he's de-aged, right? And he says to Picard, you know, you're a bit older than I imagined. Let me catch up. And then with a snap of the finger, now he's takes on the appearance of what John Delancey looks like now. But I thought to myself, those two lines saved them thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't want to have to do like a Luke Skywalker. Right. Thing. Right. Um, we have not seen Delancey play Q since the toward the end of Voyager. And I tell you, so we're talking like 20 years. And it's like he never stopped playing the character. He's right. He's like he's right back into it with no problem whatsoever. And I like that they. It seems to be anyway that they're they've gone back to embracing the more sinister side of Q rather than the comical side. Right. Yeah. Meet, no, no mariachi band. When we right when we first meet Q on Next Generation and even in some of those early episodes, he's got a he's more sinister there. He's more villainous yes. there. And I like that we're back to that this time. Right. Or his intentions are just so... He's just such toying with them without any regard for their fates. Right. Now, we may not have seen Q since Voyager, but Q and Picard have not shared the screen together since the final episode of The Next Generation. Right. Now, do um, we know... Now, for all we know, you know, they could have had tea weekly. Right. Well... <laughs> But we can assume he hasn't seen. Picard also has not seen him, or else they would. Have well, because, and, and when Q says to him, "Do you recall what I said to you when last we met?" Oh, the last, trial yeah, never that's ends, true. Right, yeah, and course. what I and I noticed something very small, very minor. When John, when Q says, when John Delancey says that line, when he says, "The trial never ends," he he lifts his eyebrow ever so slightly. And that's exactly how he delivered that line in All Good Things. The exact oh. same way. Uh, very good choice there. Yeah. The um, yeah, so, I mean, this certainly, um, you know, we're off to the races here. They've, they've, yeah. they've so well established, they've given us a story from, uh, has, you know, its own sort of beginning, middle, and end. They've caught us up on all the characters, and they've set into motion the events of this season brilliantly i do have one quick slight quibble here's my slight quibble what letter does that begin with quibble yeah. q q uh, <laughs> i don't know yeah. i i don't love the mom stuff oh i kind of yeah, feel like flashback. i don't need it or yeah. want it I mean, I don't know what it means right now. No, not at all. I don't like it. So far, it doesn't seem to matter. At this yeah, point, it doesn't it feels seem like, to matter. Yeah. It almost feels like, you know, we, we often talk about the other Trek show as, um, you know, like don't try to do too much. Keep it simple. Right. And that just feels like the one added element that's a little bit too much. Now, could they do something brilliant with it? Certainly. But when you've got like, oh, he's a commitment phobe. He doesn't want to be in a relationship. Right. He's got some sort of issues with his past that have to do with that greenhouse room and his mom and leaving France. Right. Um, it just seems like a little bit too much going on for Picard. I mean, I have no doubt that we'll see that it'll, we'll, it'll make sense and it'll get paid off. Cause I trust the people on the show very much. Um, That's fair. so, but yeah, I mean, I think at least for the episode, it felt, out of place because there was so you and I were talking about when this episode when we finished watching it so much happened in this episode so much happened yeah they didn't waste a minute no I mean I would say if they wasted any minutes maybe it was that scene but that was it 
right? Right. But also um, so assuming that they're setting it up for something. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I... So much happened in this episode. And it was only, like, 48 minutes long. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, there was not a... There was really not a dull moment in this episode. No, except for the... The little boy dressed like he was from the 1930s running in slow well, there motion. Was, there was a moment, I think it was like, I think it was like after all the, we had gotten updates on all, on all the characters. I think I had paused it for a minute to go, get, to go get something. And I was like, and I was like, I'm only, I'm only 20 minutes into the episode. That's it? <laughs> like, cause so much was going on, right? What's not clear to me yet is, cause now everybody was there up at the end like in the fleet except for Soji Elno was on the ship and on the uh, ship and then uh, so was um, uh, Rafi Elnor and Rio? I mean Elnor and um, Rafi were there I yeah Rafi yeah. well he was on the ship that Rafi was assigned to oh okay yeah so the only yeah. one who wasn't like present yeah anywhere so was Soji so how does she fit into all of the, that's the that's the one that's the only that's the thing I had noticed she was right. not actually you know, there with them are on um, any of those other ships. So I like that decision. Yeah. Only because, right. I do think that they, it could seem, um, far fetched that, Oh, they all just happen to be on the ship, but I think they set it up so well where it's, yeah. it's seven who spots it. Yep. So seven tells Starfleet, Starfleet sends Rios. I mean, yeah. Sends Rios. Yep. Uh, they ask for Picard by name, so of course Picard has to go there. So I think that the, the machinations of the plot to get them together was very well done. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not like you know, it wasn't like we didn't have to go through the whole charade of Picard having to gather everybody up again and say I, we need to go do this now, right? Right. The circumstances yeah. were bringing them all together, and they were just it was outside of Picard's control because. Yeah. And also that allows us to just get straight to it, whatever it is. Right. Right, right. Like the show, I keep just coming back to like how effortless the whole thing is. Like they just make it so easy. They make it look easy. Right. They make it seem so easy. And I'm sure that's because it's they- not a struggle at all. From what it, that's just how it looks to me, anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because we we just we see a finished product that is you know feels polished and oh knows my God. what it wants to do. It knows how it wants to fit in with everything, and it just does it right. Um, I do have a few odds and ends before we switch our yeah. discussion. Go right so ahead. So one, let's see. Oh yeah, I thought I think it was very strange that Picard dresses like he was, grew up in the nineteen thirties. <laughs> You know, is he selling yeah. newspapers in Brooklyn or is he, uh, you know, a man from the future? London. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Sets up the theme very well in the speech. Yep. Um, there, are, there are no second chances. Well done. Well done. Yeah. I mean, there probably will be. Um, it's almost like every line of dialogue, spoke, every scene spoke to the theme of the episode about second chances and all this other stuff. Yeah, right. Or at least yeah. set up character. Girardi cleared for the murder. That was yep. good to get in there because we. I thought we knew that anyway, but okay. We considered that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Stargate looks good. I think the uniforms look fantastic, especially Elnor's cadet uniform. Yep. Because it just makes it a little more angular. Yep. Yeah, they're back to the Voyager design. Voyager Deep Space Nine, early DS Nine design. Yeah. Um, be it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do have one question that surprised me, and this is one right. This is the only moment where I kind of thought like this just doesn't make any sense. When Rios told the crew three times to stop firing, and they all kept firing. Yeah, that was bothering me. Nobody was nobody was listening. Yeah, because they're so orderly before. The the admiral walks in, they're all standing at attention. Right. Maybe nobody could hear him. Three times, and they just keep shooting. Maybe nobody could hear him. He yelled pretty loud, but... (laughs) No, I know. I get you. Mention that. 
Cool. So uh, we'll be back next week to discuss the next episode of Picard, which I'm very excited to see. We are very excited to see. And uh, if you want to uh, reach out to us, you can do so on Instagram at Star Trek in Star Trek We Trust podcast, and then on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust. But in the meantime, peace out, everybody. And don't forget, we stream sometimes. We do. <laughs> yes. If only you could see my face. All right. Later, what? everybody. <laughs>